Welcome once again to Robert Nauer Unfiltered. And this is a re-record of Season 1, Episode 17. And I've entitled it, Naked in the Showers at Bally's, with an FBI informant. The story is a true story about somebody that, that I met when I was naked in the shower after a workout at Bally's and what transpired. And it goes something like this. Way back around the period of 1989-90 time frame, I was working in the federal building at Granby Mall. And across the street from Granby was a towering building that was called SMA America. And SMA uh, was a defense contractor run by a um, black individual who was a minority-owned firm that was doing millions and millions of dollars with the federal government and the Department of Defense. All of a sudden, while standing in the shower, I heard a psst. Hey, psst, are you Bob Nauer? And I said, yeah, in an uncomfortable tone. Who... Who are you and why do you want to know? And he said, well, I, I can't really tell you. He goes, but I need to talk to you. People have told me to talk to you. And I said, okay, can you at least wait until I get out of the shower and get this soap off me? I'll tell you what, I'll meet you out in the parking lot by my car in about 15, 20 minutes. Is that okay? And he goes, okay, yeah. It's very odd to have some guy come up behind you, whisper your name in a shower while you're naked. Very strange. Anyway, 20 minutes later, after I was dressed, I went out to my car. And sure enough, there was John. His name was John because he told me his name was John. He said, I'm not going to tell you the rest of my name because I don't want to. And I said, well, I'm not going to talk to you about anything until you tell me your full name. And I want to see your driver's license. And any other proof of who you are before we start talking. Because I said, I don't talk to people who I don't know who I'm talking to. And so John reluctantly whipped out his military ID card and his driver's license and handed it to me. I looked at it and I realized he was a retired Navy commander. And I... Instead of handing him his ID cards back, I put them in my shirt pocket. And he goes, hey, hey, can I have my cards back? And I said, no. Uh, you'll get them back a little while later. I said, so tell me what your issue is, John. And I'm not going to use his last name even though I do know it. He said, well, I, I, I'm the uh, chief admin officer at SMA Corporation. That's how I found out about you. People have told me you're a very ethical individual and have a lot of integrity. I said, well, that's true. I said, so what's the issue? And he goes, well, he goes, I really feel uncomfortable talking about this, but I think my firm has been defrauding the federal government for a number of years now. I said, really, tell me more. And so John went on to tell me that his chief executive officer, his chief operating officer, um, had asked him in a sort of indirect way to collude with them 
and submitting false overstated invoices to the federal government for payment for services that were never really rendered, for labor hours that were never really expended. All of that's called labor fraud, contract fraud. And that they had gotten their project managers in 50 different states and five territories to cooperate with them in a conspiracy to also overstate and inflate their charges against IDIQ contracts, which stands for indefinite delivery and definite quantity contracts, for services. And I said, and this has been going along how long, John? And he said, three years at least. And I said, so you've known about this fraud for three years and you're just kind of bringing it to me now? And he goes, well, he goes, it's getting pretty bad. And he goes, and I'm, I'm really concerned. I said, well, you should be because I said, if you don't uh, go and cooperate with the FBI and the Defense Criminal Investigative Service and the NCIS or whoever else is involved, I said, uh, you're going to go to federal prison. And he turned... He knew, but he turned like a sheet of white at that statement. I said, but I think I can help you out of this if you're willing to help yourself. He said, how do I do that? And I said, well, first of all, tell me more about your CEO and your chief operating officer. He goes, well, my CEO um, who owns the firm, he is friends with the governor. Well, the governor at that time was a black man. And he was black, so they were very close friends. And the chief operating officer, he said, was a retired Navy Supply Corps captain who was, in fact, I had seen him. He was overweight and out of shape. And uh, he said they're, they're the ones who are basically uh, running this whole fraud operation. And I said, well, John, here's what we're going to do. I said, I'm not going to give you your IDs back until tomorrow morning. He, he said, no, 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 you've got to give me my IDs back. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go home and I'm going to call a friend of mine, John Lambert. John Lambert is a Navy criminal investigative service agent. And at that time in the 80s and 90s, we called them NIS, Naval Investigative Service. Today, they're NCIS. And no, they don't do the shit that you see on TV. They're not that sophisticated. They are sophisticated, but not that sophisticated. So I said, I'm going to call John, who I used to serve with on board the John F. Kennedy, and I'm going to have John meet me down at uh, Grandview Mall, at the building I work at, with you there. You're going to be there at 8 a.m. in the morning. And we are all going to meet and go up to see the FBI, where you are going to tell them your story from beginning to end and see if they're willing to put you undercover as a confidential informant. And that's about the only thing, John, that's going to keep you out of federal prison at this point. So John went on in with John Lambert and an FBI agent that also came downstairs to spill his guts to the FBI, and yes, he actually did become a confidential informant. Now, fraud cases take an awful long time to investigate. Usually what the FBI does is they will go and they will knock on doors and interview people who are involved or connected and ask them questions and document their findings on a 302B card. Ultimately, the FBI 
because it was such a large fraud case, had to go to every office and every locale where SMA Corporation was located, working for the Army, Navy, and Marine Corps, and even Coast Guard, and interviewed secretaries and project managers. And all of that takes a tremendous amount of time and expense. Investigations don't occur overnight. In the meantime, while John was now undercover, still at SMA, he was continuing to go along with the fraud, copying, making copies of every document, every fraudulent document that was being perpetrated by his superiors, and taking those documents home at night with him, both in paper copy and in digital form. Though digital form was very difficult to do because back in those days we only had big, big, big floppy disk. We didn't have the little USB sticks like we have today. But John was able to spirit away so much information that basically it just was going to crucify the CEO and chief operating officer of SMA and anybody else who they decided, they being the FBI and Department of Justice, wanted to indict. So after about two years and not hearing anything, I called my friend John Lambert, the NIS agent, and I asked, John, I haven't heard anything at all. What's going on with that SMA case that I brought you? And he said, Bob, I can't really talk to you about it, but um, it's still ongoing. They're, they're doing their investigations. And I said, would you do me a favor? When the um, charges are going to be dropped and brought down on the individuals they're going to uh, indict, would you let me know when that's going to happen? since I brought it to you. And he said, yeah, I, I will do that for you, Bob, because I trust you, as long as you don't tell anybody else. And he did. And uh, three and a half years later, now by that time I was no longer working at the uh, Granby Mall Federal Building. I had transferred onto base and was working at the Naval Supply Center contracting office. And finally I got a phone call and from John and heads up that uh, things were going to happen. And sure enough, they did. And it seems that the CEO and the chief operating officer of SMA pretty much knew about two years into John's undercover that the FBI was definitely on to them because of the questioning of their project managers all around the country and secretaries. And they obviously became very, very uh, concerned. The chief operating officer, the guy that was overweight and out of shape, the retired Navy captain, supply corps command, uh, captain, he fled to Mexico City. That's how stupid he was, because people don't realize you if you're going to flee from the federal government and from indictment, you need to flee to a country that is, has no extradition to the United States and generally will not cooperate with the United States. Places like maybe uh, Yemen and uh, Libya and whatever else. But he went to Mexico City, took money, fled, left his wife in Virginia Beach. But nevertheless, about a month later, the FBI picked him up down there in Mexico City and brought him back in chains. He ended up going to prison, and so did the CEO of SMA. They both went to prison along with several project managers who were culpable in defrauding the federal government. So finally, um, I did meet John again at Bally's. It was infrequent. I guess he decided to stay away from Bally's after that first initial meeting. When I had given John Lambert at the FBI building John's ID cards to give to him. He looked at him and he goes, so this is the guy. He goes, man, he's a retired Navy commander. 
I said, yeah, he didn't realize that if he hadn't done the right thing and come to me, he could have forfeited his entire Navy retirement. Well, so too, the the Supply Corps captain retired, ended up forfeiting his entire Navy Supply Corps retirement also. And what it really does come down to is when you try to defraud your government, when you try to do the wrong thing because of greed or whatever the reasons are, it's going to catch up with you. You're going to get caught. Eventually, you're going to get caught. Nobody gets away, ultimately, with the crimes that they commit against the federal government. John would have gone to prison. John would have probably served five to ten years in federal prison minimum for being a co-conspirator of that federal contract fraud scheme. So the big boys all went to prison. Some of the project managers, all of the secretaries and other project managers that did also cooperate with the FBI, they either got very light misdemeanor criminal sentences or probation, but the only ones that got the the uh, felonies and spent time in prison were the the bad boys, the ones that really concocted it all and and really were involved, mainly program managers, none of the secretaries. But John would have gone to prison. So when I did finally see John, I said, well, John, aren't you lucky you came to me several years ago? And he goes, oh, God, yeah. He goes, I wish I had come to you sooner. He goes, because I, I was living th- with so much stress in my life. I had even contemplated killing myself at one time before I came to see you. He goes, coming to see you and having you help me turn myself into the FBI was the truly the best thing that ever happened in my life. He goes, because now I still have a retirement. I'm now working for another defense contractor. And no, I will never, ever do what I did before. And uh, it's as if it never happened. So... He goes, I can't thank you enough for helping me out of that situation. And so what this case really proves is that if you're going to be working in government contracts, if you're going to be working as a defense contractor, you need to be ethical, have integrity, and do always do the right thing. When any defense contractor uh, superior tells you, if you're working for them, to do something wrong, fraudulent, criminal, you tell them, absolutely no, I will not be involved in that. And that's how you keep yourself out of it. Now, you may get terminated because you're not willing to cooperate, but that's better than going to prison, isn't it? So that's the, that's the thing that each and everybody should learn, is that you need to do the right thing, you need to have ethics, and you need to say no when presented with uh, the potential criminal activity by somebody else to get involved. Never, ever, ever get involved. And so with that simple case of right and wrong, Bob out.